Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Scroobius Pip and this is episode 133 of the Distraction Pieces podcast and my guest today is James McAvoy. What an amazing guy. Um, this is an interesting one because it's the first time I've been let in the front door of a press junket. So it's a short one, but I think we got a, a lot in and he was a really interesting dude. Because it's short, I'm going to have a bit of a ramble, but I'm going to do that at the end because people get a bit annoyed when there's a long intro. So if you want to hear me tell you about stuff like Taboo, which launched on the BBC this week, which stars me, um, and other interesting stuff, then I'll chat about that at the end. But I will just start this opening bit by saying we are brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com, which is my website and my record label. You can go there to get CDs, DVDs, T-shirts, mugs, all that good stuff. And if you are new to the Distraction Pieces podcast, have a little thumb through our back catalogue. We've had guests such as, as Simon Pegg um, and Paddy Considine and Frankie Boyle um, and Sarah Pascoe and Josie Long um, and some really good people. So check it out. I'm trying to think of other ones I can can really lure you in with. We've had, had Russell Brand on. Um, who else is good? Edith Bowman's wonderful. We've had loads of good people. So hopefully you'll... Uh, Have a little thumb through our back catalogue and check some of them out. Nick Frost. Yeah, just good people. Anyway, I'm going to get on with the podcast. This is episode 133 with James McAvoy. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of um, I'm joined today by James McAvoy. How are you, sir? I'm good, thanks for having me on. Thank you for giving me some of your time. I know it's a bit of a... I've seen from your Instagram, it's a bit of a whirlwind at the moment of, 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 of promotion and ex- excitement. How's it all been going? It's been going good. We've been all over the place. We've been Philly, New York, uh, Paris, Madrid, Milan. We're here. We're going to Berlin. Then we're going to finish off in New York again. So it's good. We're spreading the word. How is it doing these kind of press runs? Because the nature of, of acting is certainly someone in demand as much as you is, you'll probably be a project or two on from that now. Yeah. So does it yeah, give I've you done... a chance to get to, to revisit it and get excited again about a, yeah, it a, does. A, about something you'd kind of had a bit of a, a breather or recovery from? Yeah, it's been a year since I finished this film. I've yeah. done two more films since then. So, yeah, no, I've had a big breather. It's nice to return. It's nice to see people that you got really close to and then, you yeah. know, didn't see again for a yeah. year. Um, and Such might not an see again for years and years. in that way, isn't it? That you're yeah. thrown so deeply into that and then they're yeah. pulled apart. <laughs> I think it's very difficult when you're beginning in the industry and you're um, and you make these incredible, deep, sort of very open and very vulnerable relationships with yeah. each other, and then it just stops, and then you never see yeah. that person again for years, maybe ever. Yeah, but you get used to that quite quickly, and and it, you don't stop yourself from making those relationships. You just um, you just know that it's going to end. I was going um, to so yeah. I'd say the key there kind of has to be. A learning that it is exactly that. There's nothing false about them relationships. It's just an intense, no. heated up individual situation that's then, again, as I said, you're all pulled apart and, and, and scattered around. So. Yeah, and also the alternative is that you don't engage with people. Yeah. The alternative is that you go, all right, well, this won't last forever. Yeah. Well, well I won't engage with anybody then. And so you don't live your life. You don't that make any connections. And that's, to, no, it'd be rubbish. It's absolutely rubbish. Um, how exciting was it? I, I saw a split earlier this week and... And loved it. Um, how exciting was it as an actor to get a, 
a role like this where you essentially get to play 20 or so characters without having to to remake Big Mama's House or or, or, or anything like that. You kind of get to to jump into a lot of different characters and areas. I'm I'm expecting the call for Big Mama's House. (laughs) Origins. You didn't even have to have loads of of makeup or... um, No, we go the other way. There's no no makeup. There's there's none of that. no, it's just it's just the essence of the character, it's the essence of the person. Yeah. And it's also the truth of people that live with DID. Yeah. Um, they don't always change their appearance when they, it, although some people do, some some groups of people that live plurally do. But uh, I think that certainly dramatically it was more interesting to show the changes in somebody without just handing the audience an easy code that said... Oh, who is he now? What's happening now? Yeah. Put a wig on. Oh, you've been a woman now. Okay, yeah. fine. I can check out. I can just relax. I can sit back and disengage. Whereas if you are, you know, you're not given obvious signals like that. You're doing much more um, subtle work and subtle code work than that. So, you know, it's it's about posture and it's about hand gesticulation. It's about the shape of your mouth. It's about the shape or the shape of the shape of your face, which you are capable of changing. You know, yeah. so stuff like that. Yeah, and it is it's 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 an interesting one how instantly recognisable each each character became because of of of, of their mannerisms and their gait, rather than just of of their accent. At first, yeah. you're kind of uh, uh, listening out for voices, and after yeah. that, you're kind of like, oh right, I know, I know yeah. who's in the room now. Yeah, no, exactly. It was important that they were all clearly defined in in a kind of in a high definition. Yeah, uh, that. Even at the beginning, the audience would know that somebody had changed and someone else was now in charge. Yeah. Um, and that by halfway through the film, at least I wanted people to be able to know exactly who they ch- changed them to before you'd really said anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the f- that's the fun of the film for an audience, I think, as well, trying to pinpoint who it is they're playing with and who it is that's telling the story to them. And it's just the it's the vastly interesting thing about somebody that lives with DID. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so how how much? A freedom did you have to really delve into each each individual character because i'd imagine it has to be finding a bit of a, a balance there because in general in a role i'm sure you'll th- throw yourself hugely in and, and, get, and get the backstories and get everything in there but when you're having to, to play so many was it a, a finding a balance or did you get to really know each individual each each personality i felt like i got to know each individual personality really well they've yeah. all there's a difference in approaching some of them, dramatically anyway, in that, you know, Kevin is born because his mum and dad had sex. Hmm. And um, and he is the way he is because of all the things that have happened to him in his life up to that moment. Yeah, sure. And when you usually build a character, you try and pinpoint the key defining aspects of what has happened to them. Um, and that's the same as you, you and me, but like with the other eight characters that I portray in this film, they are all alter egos that, that grew out of him at a time later in his life and they weren't necessarily born in the same fashion and yeah. the reason that they were born they were born to to in a way perform a certain function they were born um because of a certain need that Kevin or the community later on that live within that same body all needed something that they weren't capable of doing it seemed yeah. um and so that attribute of that group or that one person that was able to, to kind of take care of that would almost personify yeah. and so uh, of course they grow and they develop and they become much more than that key attribute but that key attribute seems to be the thing that propels them forward and therefore 
you are delving back into their histories. Yeah. But more than that, you're trying to define their key attribute and then build uh, a history around that. Yeah, the moment that, that, that created them as such, the reason they were needed. The moment a, that created to, them, but also sometimes it's not even the moment that created them. Sometimes it's the... It's, it's, the collected history of someone else that created them. Yeah. It's the it's the key defining prime mover that that f- that that propels them. And some of the some of the characters, some of the personalities that live within that body are are very broadband, if you like. They've yeah. got multiple interests. They have, you know, they pay their taxes. They've got a job. They've yeah. got hobbies. They've got girlfriends, boyfriends. They've got, you know, neighbors they don't like, neighbors they do like. The, some of the other personalities like Patricia. Yep. Yeah. Who I play, who's one been ostracised and kind of ghettoised within the community, and she's been she's been suppressed. Yeah. She's not been allowed out, if you like, uh, for the better part of five years. Mm. You know, her her spectrum is more narrow, and she's very faith based, yeah. and and she defines herself entirely about that. That faith has been warped because she's been she's been suppressed so yeah, long yeah. Um, but some of the other characters like Barry like I say the very broad spectrum and actually living a fully productive life yeah yeah um, it's as as a film in, in general and, and hearing you talk now it puts forward some really interesting um, a, a subject matter really on, 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 on the power of the mind as mm-hmm. such and, and its ability to not only have different approaches and attitudes but also to uh, affect the body to to change the the body was that an area you you, you got to look into much or or research much i've i've, yeah. I've, I've got a guy on the podcast in a couple of weeks called a, a wim hoff oh yeah i know he's the ice about, yeah. man and he's again he's he's found techniques through breathing t- yeah. techniques to um increase the oxygen levels in cells to fight illness to control mm-hmm. body temperature mm-hmm. and it's a fascinatingly not yet understood area, right? That we yeah. have that bit bit more control. Even looking at um, at sugar pills and placebos that yeah, under test exactly. conditions, that two sugar pills have more effect than one sh- sugar pill, even though there's <laughs> nothing in them. But test conditions, yeah. But because you believe, because you believe you're taking something that will cure you, your yeah. body decides to try and cure itself. Yeah. And it doesn't work on everybody, but it seems to work on some people. There seems to be something there, yeah. And it doesn't seem to work on... It's not just that it seems to work on some people, but not others. It's, it'll work on some people sometimes and other people other times as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? You know, we know that... We know, and it's been... It's sort of pop knowledge, really, that that we only use 30% of our brains or yeah. something. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that might be slightly inaccurate, but yeah. we use only a, a small percentage of our brain and yeah, we really don't understand what it's capable of. But people with DID particularly um, have had instances of uh, one personality that lives within the same body being allergic to bee stings and having an anaphylactic response to a bee sting and then another personality who, when stung by a bee, is absolutely fine. Amazing, um, there's a There's a part in the film where we talk about uh, a woman in Germany who had DID, but that it wasn't apparent to uh, people. She right. didn't switch alters uh, commonly, right. but that one of her alters was blind. And that when she switched to that alter, she did become clinically blind. Oh. Her eyes would not move. Her irises would not even dilate. She couldn't see anything, but she there was no physical response that could be stimulated yeah. By the medical community, when she was in that state, when she was, when that personality had yeah. the had control, yeah, it's, um, it's just fascinating. Yeah, it's and it, it it really is because you kind of hear 
mythical fables of someone lifting up a car in an extreme situation to save someone. But then the fact is, I'm sure you'll have experienced this. If you've if you've had a busy schedule, the moment you get some time off is normally when you'll get ill because your body yeah. kind of knows yeah. that oh, I can I can re- relax now or I've got yeah. time to get ill. So it's stuff that everyone experiences that there is a level of mind control over mm-hmm. over our bodies and mm-hmm. our cells as such. Yeah, completely. I think it's just something that you know. If I if I if even just on a very simple level, if you're angry, your yeah. heart your heart rate increases. Yeah. yeah, that is your mind controlling your body. That is. It might not be a conscious form of control, but it is an emotional and mental response to your environment, which is affecting your physical state and capabilities. Yeah, um, it's not an extraordinary one. It's not a supernatural one. It's not a super one. It's but it's but it is. A, a, if it's if it's true on that tiny level, yeah, all you're doing is amplifying it and make it bigger. Yeah, yeah, completely. Is 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 the mind something that naturally intrigues you? Because you're. Um, f- film choices there seems to be a lot where you're drawn to that kind of interest in areas from the extremes of, of professor x to to, to trance to uh, to this there seems to be a, a a fair few points where you're getting to uh, to look into the intricacies of this kind of unexplored and un, unknown yeah i guess i mean i think actors I, as an actor i spend my everyday at work trying to figure out why people behave the way they behave yeah. and trying to figure out why we are as the human race, the way we are, um, and so in a way, we're 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 shit psychologists. Do you yeah. know what I mean? We're <laughs> pseudo psychologists, yeah. and I love it. It's a great way to spend your days. Like, yeah. you know, most people are too busy doing their do to to have time to sit and think about why we got here, why am I here like this? Yeah, where am I going? And I get to do it every day. And with all that work you're talking about, and the stage work I've done is the same as well yeah. over the last few years. Um, I don't know. I think that trying to figure out why somebody behaves the way they behave is a really interesting thing to do when they're just behaving normally. It's an exceptionally interesting thing to do when they're behaving as what the rest of society be- labels as abnormally. Yeah. And so the parts that I've played quite often over the last five or six years have been in that realm because of the most interesting things I've been sent. Yeah, yeah. And 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 does that? I, I'd I'd imagine that kind of in exploring the motives and motivations behind other characters and other people, it must open things up for yourself as well as as yeah. a person. Like you must learn a lot from these at times fictional characters, at times based on yeah. real characters, but from these strangers. Yeah. In exploring them in a way we don't do to ourselves, it's rare. It's rare we'll sit down and go. So two weeks ago, why was I in a shit mood on Thursday? Yeah, 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 kind yeah. of thing. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if it's if it's if it's a work thing and you're studying someone else, maybe it allows you to go into further depth. Yeah, no, it does definitely. And I'm also not really a method actor, or I don't become the character. Yeah, uh, it's my point of view that all I've got is me. Yeah, uh, I am everything you see when I play a part. All I've got is me. It's, I'll give you all of it, but it's all I've got. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so by exploring a character, you are exploring yourself. Yeah. Um, by exploring a character's experiences that you don't have any understanding of, yeah. you're relying on your empathy, imagination, and your intellect to get some knowledge, do some research, but then your empathy and imagination to actually 
put that into you. Yeah. And so you're, it's, it's more the character is becoming you, I think. Don't get yeah. me wrong, I don't think they should play every character the same way every time. I'm not like that actor. No, but, I, I but, completely understand your point there of, of, of adding to yourself and drawing out the similarities that you have. Yeah, because I think... I mean? So suppressing the bits that might not be, yeah, drawing I, I out the similarities. Yeah, I think the key characteristic that human beings have that manages to elevate us and make us way better than animals is uh, if we are indeed better than animals. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that I think actually... I'm going to be. I'll go out on a limb here for anybody that's yeah. pro animal. I like we're better than animals. All right. Um, right. The thing that makes us ten times better, <laughs> or at least um, this got us where we are. I think yeah. is the ability to imagine and yeah. the uh, and empathy is is that key to imagination. You know, having feelings for another another creature and to have feelings for another thing is to project emotion and that takes imagination to project yeah. love is an imagined thing it's yeah. a it's a i imagine what it's like to be you and i and i like you and yeah. and i so we invent love and and um and so why am i saying all this um <laughs> why am i saying that it was important it was good oh i don't know um yeah but, no, but as i said it's, it's uh, yeah, imagination imagine yeah yourself imagination is yourself Imagination is key, really. I think it's the most important thing. Yeah, I totally went off track. I'm done. <laughs> no, I'm totally good. done. It's <laughs> all good. Um, it's going to sound like an, an odd and trite thing, but something I've always noticed along your career is 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 a, a great ability to to to, to master and use accents uh-huh. and different voices. Is 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 that something that 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 you focus on a lot for getting into a character more? Is it is it something potentially that's born of of coming up as an actor in in Scotland, where there wasn't the strongest film industry, so maybe yeah. you had to assimilate a British accent to get more roles and things yeah. like that. Was that? Yeah, no. Growing up in Glasgow, graduating from drama school in Glasgow, actually going into drama school in Glasgow, I could do like a couple of things. Yeah, I'd only done a couple of bits of acting. Yeah. Um, I could be angry and I could be from where I was from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I could be emotional, and that was kind of it. I think it's great um, b- b- because you'll see. S- certain actors like a De Niro or a Pacino and think, well, that's Pacino. So an increased version of him, that's all I need to do as an actor. If you know yeah, what I mean, an increased yeah, yeah. version of me, I'll know where I'm from. I can be yeah, angry, yeah. I can be sad. And then obviously I assume from going to acting school, you then learn, <laughs> right, there's well, potentially start, more to it than that. <laughs> from a start, just being me and being where I was from wouldn't get me much work, unfortunately, because yeah. there's no stories being told about people where I come from. I had, so. I'd, um, I'd, I'd Riz Ahmed on, who's done yep. great in America recently. Stayed, right? he, he was saying how he was stunned to have to go to America to, to find the roles for an, an, an Asian man. Because yeah. in the UK, there's, there's, there's so much period stuff where yeah. there are no brown people. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he had to go to America to suddenly go, right, you're more than just... An Asian guy, you're just you're just yeah. a human here. So yeah. no, I, I don't completely completely agree. Um, but we don't make product for ourselves. We make product to try and succeed in America. Yeah, and British product. And this isn't America's problem. This is our problem. The product that we make that we sell to America, they want a certain thing. They want old world. Yeah. They want the old country. Do you know what yeah. I mean? They're a young country. They're only a couple of hundred years old, really, and they want to know about their grandparents. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean. Yeah. They've not and quite so got they the want, history that we've got. So that's but they don't really want to right. know. They don't really want to know about all their grandparents. They want to know about ye olde nice sort of yeah. royal grandparents and that's that's fine that's what they want they're entitled to that yeah the problem but it's our problem because that means that so much of our product is filled up with that stuff and that's why he then has to go to we're yeah. not making product for ourselves they're making product for themselves yeah they're making product that's way more 
diverse than ours. Yeah, Don't get me wrong, it's not it's not good enough yet, and it's still not completely representative, but they're making stuff themselves, but we don't make stuff for ourselves. It's weird. I was just in France, and they were asking about the film industry and why it's so samey, samey, samey. Why is everything the same and the problems with the the uh, the Western film industry? And I was like, by that, do you just mean like English-speaking films? And they were like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, because French film, they make films for themselves. They don't care if anybody sees them in America. Anyway, it's a tangent. Yeah, growing up in Scotland, and in my particular part of Scotland, or my kind of... You know, there's that sort of bracket that I grew up in. There's nobody telling stories about people that sounded like me, looked like me. So I couldn't do an Al Pacino or a yeah. De Niro and sort of just always be myself. Not that they're always themselves, but, but they are sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to be able to do accents. And I was lucky that with drama school, it gave me the opportunity to really experiment. And it, it seemed like I had a, a facility to do that. Yeah. Um, and when I came out of drama school, I was able to do a hell of a lot more than I was able to do when I went in there because the great thing about drama school and it's for anybody who wants to be an actor you're not going to come out and get a career like hand to you in a plate and you've got to be good and all that and you've got to work hard but either way you're going to get to do 20, 30, 40 plays in three years yeah. and you'll never get to do that in the industry Yeah, and even if you have an amazing first three years of your career you're never going to get to do that much work and you get to do all that work without the threat of losing your job or not getting another job you're there for three years you are being judged but you're never going to get kicked out um, for not being good enough so you get to experiment and you get to grow in a safe environment and I got to do that so I came out said to my agent what kind of stuff do you think I'm going to get Every other agent had said to me, like, you know, you go off for this, I'm putting you up for this right now, I'll put you up for it today if you like, and you can go in for it. You don't need to sign on with me. About you. So I said to my agent, I was like, what are you going to do? Are you going to put me up for it? And she was like, no, not until you sign on. And I was like, all right. I was like, what kind of stuff do you think I'll go up for? And even she was like, probably just Scottish stuff, like young runaway rent boys and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, brilliant, sounds good, sign me up. And then the first job I got was playing a posh Englishman and has been and had been for like years after that, yeah. to the point where like people would phone her up and go like, can James do a Scottish accent? <laughs> and, um, uh, which is which is kind of cool. It must have been amazing. So how was it to 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 build a name doing a lot of of posh British accents, doing American accents, to go around the world and and uh, and really climb and get acclaim and plaudits, and then get to come back and do filth and be Scottish <laughs> yeah. and be That's great. And, and be that roughness that you were talking about initially being put up for. Yeah, kind of a film that is based around essentially rent boys and 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 that kind of area. It's, it's it's Edinburgh rather than Glasgow, is it not? That one, that film's right? Edinburgh, yeah. it's not Glasgow. Yeah. But still, but to, to, to get to to return to that and play a Scottish character, how, um, how enjoyable was that? It was brilliant. It was brilliant. It came sort of, did it come back to back? It might have come back to back with doing Macbeth with an all Scottish oh. cast on, on Whitehall. Wow. Right next to 10 Downing Street. So, um, oh, wow. It, I don't think it was quite back to back, but there wasn't much time in between them. Yeah. So that was amazing. Uh, it was brilliant. It was... Uh, I, you know, it wasn't necessarily the fact that it was Scottish that got me all excited. It was just a personal connection to that character. Yeah. And, and it was a really, what I think, I've done a lot of things recently about people who are having mental problems. Yeah. Um, but all of them, maybe with the exception of Macbeth, have been done in... Uh, no, Macbeth as well. It just wasn't funny, Macbeth. Although we did get a couple of laughs in my <laughs> Macbeth. All right. Um, all right. What am I saying here? Um, all of these films haven't been like a gritty, realistic social commentary approach. Yeah. They've all been artistic pieces of entertainment yeah, with a sure. vibrant dynamic and and uh, an emphasis on entertaining way of uh, examining and presenting these scenarios, which I think is really important because, and don't get me wrong, like my favourite my favorite director is possibly, you could argue, is like 
the 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 daddy of that kind of cinema is Ken Loach. Yeah. And I love that kind of cinema, yeah. but I don't like it when that kind of cinema is just going, oh, and a shame, and a shame, and a shame. Everything's terrible. I think there's a, re- there's a way to explore things vibrantly, to make people feel and understand and have sympathy and transport them and engage their empathy and imagination in a way that isn't just... Um, you should feel bad that this is happening, Completely. and you should feel like a good person because you're watching this film. Because you're watching this, and, and yeah, you're not going to do about anything this. about it, but you feel like a good person. Completely. Whereas the kind of films I think you're going to do I've a been post in, on Facebook about it, saying how how important it is. Yeah, totally. Whereas the films <laughs> that I've done, I feel like they're not going to change the world either. Do you know what I mean? But they're at least I don't know. They're just not. They're not pretending that you're a better person because you've watched this film. Yeah. It's actually made people squeamish and made people feel bad yeah. and feel and laugh, but they've made people feel bad and laugh at the same time for watching this film. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. I quite like. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's that. In in, in Filth and in, 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 in Split and numerous others where there is that on on, on, on a surface level, I mean, Split in particular, it's a, a creepy, uncomfortable thriller of a of a, of a movie, but it is also it educated me on certain parts mm-hmm. of of that of that disorder, and it, it it cleverly addresses all that while still going. No, you can just switch off and be entertained here. This can yeah, simply totally. be entertainment, yeah. or there is I, I there's also, more woven into this. I also think because I've been asked a couple of times, how do you feel about? Um, <laughs> somebody actually said banalizing, and I was like, "What's banalizing? Like making it banal?" And she was like, "Yeah, banalizing." And I was like, "Banalizing." <laughs> Banalizing. Um, all right. Um, well, at the risk of making it banal, I was like, "Well, what's the what's the other option? The only other option is to say that because you've got a mental condition, and in this particular case, because you've got DID, you're not allowed to be a super badass supervillain." And I was yeah. like, "Well, that's a bit discriminatory." Yeah. And um, and you're not allowed to be in a film that's entertaining. Yeah. I was like, "What? You're only allowed to be in a really sad, dull film that's like just it's filmed in black and white and." Like two people go to see it and it might win an award, but it's actually just fucking mental health porn. Completely. Like, nah, you're all right, and and that's what I loved. It managed to, to do that, but but at the same time, whilst paying respect to the condition and to the situation, it, you know, it'd be easy in a film like this to almost to mock it, to almost make a mockery of the different characters and all. Do you mm-hmm. know, I mean, it could go too far in that direction. But I thought, yeah, no, 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 that's that's a lot down to our director M Night Shyamalan yeah. and. He has a fascination with this condition, and he has them for a long time. But he also has uh, a huge amount of. Um, he's he's kind of in awe of this yeah. condition, and he's also got a big, a lot of respect for it as well. Um, and then hopefully, his idea in hiring me was that he seems to think that I'm an actor that can elicit sympathy and and um, yeah. compassion from the audience. Yeah, sure. And so that by doing that, and me actively trying to do that, help an audience, even when the, some of the characters are doing bad things, at times give the audience an opportunity to understand and feel for those characters and at times like those characters as well. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll start to wrap things up as we're getting close to our end point. Um, is it key to you to have the variation of, of stage, of kind of, of more action-driven films as, um, again, or, or through no Ahmed actually, I, I, I know Aaron... A creepy who did yeah. a welcome to the punch. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, Thank you. An action film in London, in one of the best landscapes, <laughs> I know, best, best I know. locations that we never use for I know. for gritty or, or, or for American style big action. Yeah. So to do things like that, and obviously there's X Men and all these, but but then to uh, to do a, a ones like Filth or Split, even that feel like they're kind of going a little bit more cerebral. Is it 
is, is that yeah. a key balance for you to keep it interesting? It's the thing that keeps it interesting is when it's one a challenging script. If it was exactly like something else I'd done before, then okay, yeah. I'd probably ditch it. But the, really, it's just is it a good script? Is it a good character? Is it a story that I feel is going to be an interesting one for the audience to listen to and watch? If it's got something about it that's going to teach me something new, give me a fresh challenge, then then yeah. But in terms of what genres and stuff, I never really go by genre. Um, like I couldn't tell you what genre I want to do next. Yeah. The only thing I would like to do is like a straight up comedy because I've not done one in a long time. Yeah. And Shameless was kind of the the, the first of its kind to be an adult comedy drama. Yeah. But you kind of got to play the straight role in that. So it's I was you so didn't get to do, do you know the, what? I got the comedy nom- side. I got nominated for best <laughs> comedy newcomer that year. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I'd done. I'd done. I was being serious. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, like, I was like, I was like, I don't understand. I'd been in a film or two where I'd been playing like a straight up comedy guy. Yeah. But in that, that was what I was, I was nominated for that. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I really wasn't funny in that. I, do, I yeah. kind of, it really freaked me out. So I was sweating blood the whole time I was at the table. Yeah. That they would give it to me just because it was in a popular TV show and not because I deserved it. And then, uh, right, yeah. but thankfully, I think it was the same year Catherine Tate really kind of broke oh, right. out and I think she won it. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, I mean, I'll. I'll leave it there. Obviously, Thank you've got you. a lot ahead this year with a Submergence and Coldest, the Coldest the City, City on yeah. their way, right? Yeah. So, um, other than that, yeah, good luck with everything that's ahead. <laughs> thanks, and, man. Um, I hope it all continues to go well with this this amazing press run. Ah, uh, Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Cheers, There we go. What a lovely dude and what a lovely episode. I know this is a shorter one than normal. I know they're normally longer, but I thought it was well worth it because it was a great opportunity to talk to the young man. Um, Incidentally, I really enjoyed Split. If you're a fan of M. Night, um, I reckon you'll feel it. It's, uh, It's really good fun. My favourite M. Night film is Unbreakable. And I know that's not a, that's not everyone's favourite M. Night film. A lot of people love Sixth Sense. I think Sixth Sense is great. And there's other good ones. But, but my favourite has always been Unbreakable. And if, if Unbreakable is your favourite, then you're going to love Split. Because it's, it's, it, it's got that same essence to me. You'll, uh, you'll really enjoy it. Do you mind if I ramble on a little bit now? Because I've got loads of stuff to tell you and loads of stuff to chat about. Um, so what's been going on? We've had an amazing reaction to the Rob Parker podcast. That was was one of my favourites. I love it when there's a, a guest on that's not that famous, um, but gets a really good reaction just because of the chat and conversation. And then the week after that, I had Matt Willis. And again, got an amazing reaction. It was interesting, though, because with the Rob Parker episode, people were saying how I could barely get a word in edgeways, a few people, but again, in a in a warm and friendly way. And then on the Matt, Matt Willis one, I had two different people. I mean, that's two out of, you know, 100,000 that listened. Um, I had two people say, man, you kept interrupting Matt so if you got mad at me interrupting Matt I'm sorry but I get excited on some of these and when I'm excited that can get a bit interrupted you've also got to bear in mind that you're not in the room so you don't know what the situation is sometimes I'll interrupt if it feels like someone's getting stuck or getting lost in in on that particular one I'm not making excuses I've I've not listened to it, but I'm perfectly happy with how much I interrupted because we had a lovely time but in that particular one we kept getting interrupted and I had my back to the door 
and Matt was facing the door. So often he'd kind of be mid something and kind of someone would walk in and he'd be indicating for them to go off. So sometimes I'd jump in in that way. But um, anyway, whatever. I've 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 made my my BBC One network television debut this week or last week as this comes out. Um, how crazy is that? So big love to everyone who's been supporting Taboo. Man, the reaction has been amazing. So let me tell you a little bit about the spoken word piece I did. So it, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm in a series called Taboo with Tom Hardy and, and Stephen Graham, and it's, it's written by Stephen Knight and produced by um, a Ridley Scott and some amazing people. And I kind of convinced the BBC to let me do a spoken word piece about it. And it's quite irreverent, let's say. Let's put that in a polite way. It's quite aggressive and sweary and irreverent. And um, much to my surprise, they really liked it. And even more to my surprise, I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, at nine o'clock, so it premiered at 9.15 on BBC One on, a, on Saturday night, um, two Saturdays ago now, or the Saturday before the one that's just gone. They At nine o'clock, they posted it on their Twitter and on their Facebook and shared it out there with literally millions of people so i got a wonderful wave of love and affection and 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 loveliness and tons of nice things said about it the bbc have been dead happy because they've um it got a a really good reaction as said um i've done great in kind of tricking people into thinking that this whole show is about me (laughs) it's not i've got like a role in it there's no such thing as a small role there is only small actors as stevie graham would regularly remind me on set anytime i was i was being all humble and shit but yeah i've kind of it's really (laughs) it wasn't intentional i was just kind of like oh i read this spoken word piece and and hardy liked it and the bbc liked it but i seem to have scammed my way into being like still obviously I'm not the main thing people are talking about, but I reckon cast wise I'm probably in the top ten that are getting like mentions online and stuff when I don't deserve to be at, at all. The cast is insanely good and they're all way more experienced and way better than me. But homie's got a hustle, you know what I mean? So that's been good. That's been absolutely lovely. Um the other thing I want to tell you about some of the podcasts I've got coming up because I've got some wicked ones coming up. Um, so let me, I'm getting um, my order now. Hopefully n- next week, again, this is all touch and go, but hopefully next week I'll be talking to Garth Jennings. Um, and that'd be great if that can happen. If not, I might do an Ask Pip because they always go down well and I've not done one in a while. So keep an eye on my Facebook for that. Um, so I'm going to have that. And then the week after that, I'm going to have a homelessness special. And I've recorded this. It's in two parts. And I've spoken to a guy I've known for years, in fact, who set up a organization called, called or, or set up a, a Facebook page and all this called Haircuts for the Homeless. And it's an amazing story. And it's amazing when you think about how a hair, like giving haircuts sounds kind of, frivolous but it's a massive thing because it's kind of almost a therapist chair you think of how much you talk to someone and you think of how rare it is that you allow someone in your personal space in that way and also the the pride you give someone back potentially when you give them you know you can make them um, look nice and give them a haircut so i've got yeah Stuart roberts from haircuts for the homeless 
And then I went up to Manchester and talked to Mustard Tree, who are a fantastic organisation that do a lot of different things for for homeless people, for those on the verge of homelessness, for those getting over homelessness and, 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 and getting the, their lives back together. And I talked to Soraya up there who works for, um, for Mustard Tree and Anthony who has come through Mustard Tree and come from homelessness and he's got an amazing story. So yeah, they're really exciting ones. Then after that, I'm going to Holland to record a couple. So I'm going to be sitting down again. If any of these fall through, I apologize, but um, I'm going to be chatting with, I'm going to be talking with Ancilla van der Leest, who's, um, I, 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 I heard of her as, as a online privacy activist, essentially, um, doing a lot of things about our changes and how, how we're kind of getting a bit loose with our privacy and security. Um, and then she's recently been uh, elected to one of the positions in, in, in the pirate party in Holland, which is a political party out there. Um, so that'll be great. And then also while I'm out there, I'm going to be talking to Wim Hof, who I'm incredibly excited about, who actually, who came up in the conversation in this episode with James McAvoy. And Wim Hof, I heard on the, on the Joe Rogan podcast originally, the Joe Rogan experience. And he's this, this Dutch dude who was seen for a little while as kind of this eccentric Dutch guy who can handle temperatures, but like he, he's, he's climbed Everest numerous times. He's, he's got the world a record for fastest Kilimanjaro climb in his pants or in his, his shorts. So he's this guy who could just always handle extreme temperatures. He did things like he swum under huge ice, iced areas and just insane things. And you know, there's always been people th- throughout the ages that it's like, oh, he's this eccentric anomaly. But Wim was adamant that no, it's a technique and it's a conscious thing, and it's using breathing techniques and almost um, meditation techniques to take control of the cells in your body and control your core temperature. Um, he's also used it a lot for health reasons and to control your immune system, and. It was kind of like, oh, this guy's cool, but not taken that seriously. And then a university um, did t- tested it all under test conditions and had Wim like stand in a block of ice and they monitored his his uh, his his temperatures and he maintained a steady body temperature. And then um, they did double a blind test where he got like five different people or 10 different people and taught five of them the Wim Hof technique and five a fake version of the Wim Hof technique with them thinking it was the real one and the five had taught the real technique managed to control their their core temperatures and things like that so yeah anyway he's a he's a fascinating guy so that one is to come and what else is to come um um, and me and Johnny Lee Miller are trying to get some time to chat but hectic schedules and that so I'm, I'm not promising that one but we're doing our best uh, i'm going to have dan hardy back on at some point because people have been requesting that a lot recently S- uh, S- susan wakoma who i love from chewing gum chewing gum started last week and it was hilarious a series two started on channel four um and it was great so i recommend you check that and she was in chewing gum and she was also in crazy head which i really enjoyed um, at the end of last year 
so yeah there's loads of good people um coming up I'm, I'm looking at my list in front of me and there's a load on there that i've spoken to about it but we've not got anything firm in so i'm not going to mention them because i remember f- like for about a year or two before i had, had lauren laverne on i was saying i lauren laverne on soon and just schedules get in the way so it didn't happen um but yeah we'll get there <sighs> i think that's everything to tell you right um the distraction piece is book i've not plugged that in a while but we did a book of the podcast and uh it became a timer's bestseller and it was insane because it became i've said this numerous times but it became a far better thing than i expected it to be when i started making it i thought it'd just be kind of a collection but it turned into this cool thing but i've rambled about that before and there's a blog about that at scroobiuspip.co.uk so if that's of interest go give that a looky see um we're rejigging and revamping and reigniting the distraction pieces social media pages i've got some new people helping out and the facebook page is going to come to life we're going to launch an instagram page and push everything on there so yeah that's going to be good there's some good tuesday night jaws coming up i'm going to be on tuesday night jaw for the royal rumble roundup in a week or two um, I can't tell you who the other guests are, but they're good, or they're hopefully good. The last time I heard, the people Jim was trying to get were good, so I'm excited about that. Um, club night, yeah, that's something I should mention. Uh, January, what is it? It's the, it's the Saturday, the 28th, right? January tw- uh, 28th, we finally return to the book club with a, a We Are Lizards. Um, we've got Sean Keaveney as our guest DJ, Sean Keaveney of Six Music fame. So come down and party with us on January 28th. Um, I'm normally there from like 7, 8 o'clock until we close at like 2. So come and enjoy yourself. I can't wait to put on my rubber lizard mask and get a bit boozy and play all the best songs um, for you all. So that'll be nice. Um, Just going through my calendar to see if there's anything else I need to tell you about. I don't think there is so i will leave it there it's, it's, again this is a, a little shorter than usual but hopefully you're all right with that because wasn't james cracking and to be honest there's some people who get who think i'm a bit too too rambly and all over the place that's kind of the nature of the podcast chill chill the, f- the fuck out yeah but there's some that think i'm like that but i couldn't be like that on this episode because i had a limited amount of time so i was all fucking succinct and professional and shit which is probably going to annoy you now because you know that i'm capable of that and i choose to generally be a rambly nonsensical idiot most of the time so unlucky guys again if you're new to this thank you for choosing if you're new to this you wouldn't still be listening now because why would you bother you would have tuned out ages ago but yeah check out the back catalogue We've had Simon Pegg, Stephen Graham, Paddy Considine, Nick Frost, Michael Smiley. Loads of really good actors. We've um, had loads of good people. Georgina Campbell, who's fantastic. Michaela Cole, um, who I mentioned earlier in Chewing Gum. So loads of really good people. Go check them out. Oh, I should also, also while I'm here... Um, on this long ass outro i should mention the drunk cast t-shirts are available so i think we've probably sold out of the bundles but you can get the drunk cast t-shirts at um 
where can you get it? Speechdevelopmentrecords.com. Uh, and there's a Stu one, a Chris slash Craig one, and a Pip one. So go and check them out. They're, they're, they're selling fast and we're running out. We've got limited stock on a few sizes of, of sold out on each, 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 each one. But yeah, go and check them out. Anyway, I shall bid you farewell. Thank you for tuning in. I've been Scroobius Pip. You can find me at Scroobius Pip Yo on Twitter and Instagram or Facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip. See you next week, guys. Ta-ta!